0: Hold on. Sidebar. All right. If you're in Timothy's class, he has a homework assignment for you, John 3:16 and 17. And uh, that'd be for uh, Timothy Jones, Wednesday night. Uh, teen crowd, and I know teenagers like to study and like to memorize, so get with it, Theo <laughs> theo 's up there scratching his ear like i i didn't i didn't hear that John three sixteen and seventeen, just for you, right, move right, uh, Theo has tuned out my voice when it comes to sh- shouting warnings of pedestrians and bicyclists coming the other way. Take your Bible's turn to Joshua chapter two. Joshua chapter 2 reminds me of Romans chapter 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Joshua chapter 2 is a lesson of a transformed life. Absolutely transformed. And if you thought this morning was a little uh, was a little difficult, you'll find this evening just absolutely extraordinarily difficult. We're in Joshua chapter two, and uh, this morning we were in uh, uh, in Ruth, Ruth chapter one, the latter part of the chapter. We had Naomi getting bitter, going back. We had Orpha, Stain, and Moab. We had Ruth, whose life was transformed. Was it not transformed? Entreat me not to leave thee, nor return from following after thee, for whether thou goest, I will go, and whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. And that's an incredible, that's an incredible testimony of a brand new babe in Christ. But we repeat that uh, to this day. That is a familiar text of Scripture. But if you thought Ruth, a Moabitess, was a difficult person to transform, then you're really going to struggle with Joshua chapter 2. Because in Joshua chapter 2, we are introduced to a gal named Rahab. And if I say Rahab the, you say? Yeah, because that's what she was. Rahab the harlot. And that's what we know her as. Uh, we know her that, too. she has not, and she gave that up, and she had a transformed life. But we have a tendency to remember people by their past misdeeds and not their life transformed. But she absolutely had a life transformed, as is evidenced in this passage of Scripture. We left this morning thinking, Ruth was precious. But it's hard to look at Joshua chapter 2 and say, Rahab, the harlot, was precious. But you hear me, she was precious in God's eyes eyes, In God's sight. She was someone for whom Christ died. It doesn't take you long in talking to people about religious things, things of God's Word, spiritual things, before they, they, they say or state... I don't see how God could save a murderer. Or a harlot. I just don't see how God... And what they're saying is, I'm better than they are. But here's what we don't understand. As sinners, we're not. We're absolutely not. We're in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. What's interesting about Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, if somebody remind me, isn't this not where the children of Israel got into trouble? Send out a spy and spy out the land. Twelve men went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad, brought bad, attitude, bad report. Two were good. Isn't that how they got in trouble? But here they are, repeating... <laughs> It sounds eerily similar. And if you're reading Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 for the first time and you're familiar with the children of Israel when they fled Egypt and they sent out the spies and ten men brought back an evil report that caused the children of Israel to stop in their tracks and not claim the blessings and the inheritance of God. When you come to this point and you realize it's been 40 years, the generation that escaped Egypt, the adults, are all dead. This is a new generation, but they're repeating generational mistakes. I'm glad the two men brought back a good report. But I wonder what would have happened if the two men did not bring back a good report. Continue reading with me, verse 2. We're going to read the chapter. It's 24 verses. And it was told. The king of Jericho, long before we had spy satellites and listening devices and TikTok and uh, uh, flip-flop and uh, track your iPhone, uh, the king knew what was going on. He knew who was in his city. Government, you know the government spies on you, government always has. Two men in the city, and he knew who came in, where they were from, and where they went was told the king of Jericho saying behold there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country and the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying bring forth the men that are come to thee which are entered into thine house for they become to search out all the country and the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus there came this is what she said to the king now she's lying she going to lie Now, do not take from the narrative that it is okay to lie, because it is not okay to lie. It is not. Preachers, you want to know what preachers sit in, in classes and talk about? You get a bunch of preachers in the room, and preachers will talk about this passage and justify lying. There's no justification for what is done. But, this is what she said, There came men unto me, but I wits not whence they were. Truth or lie? Lie. It came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate. When it was dark, the men went out. Truth or lie? Lie. Whether the men went, I walk not. Truth or lie? Lie. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. Truth or lie? Lie. But what had really happened, verse 6, She had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. That's an interesting phrase there. And you can look at this and you can do some thinking about this. And this is just um, a little bit of random thoughtfulness outside of the narrative that Rahab was no longer a harlot. She had already... Come under conviction that she was a sinner and she needed a savior, and that the God of the Hebrews, the Jewish people, the Israelites, was 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 God. She'd already come to that conviction. The flax on the roof is a is a totally different occupation than uh, maintaining a house of irrepute. She's got a different. It just it's an interesting thought. And think about that. This is the flax industry is a sustaining industry, and she's involved in that. Just just a thought. God put that in there for a purpose. Now, you should think about that. And The men pursued after them, the men that she sent on a false journey on the way to Jordan, unto the fords, and as soon as they were which pursued after them were gone out, uh, they shut the gate. Say, preacher, what if she had told the truth? Uh, it happens in law enforcement all the time. Uh, law enforcement guy goes up and knocks on a door, says, so and so here, I have a warrant for his arrest. And the person says, no, they're not here. And the officer says, I have a warrant for their arrest. It has their address on it. Without a search warrant, this gives me, this gives me the authority under color of law by the court to search this premises. Step out of the way, I'm coming in. So just so you know, the officer comes to your door and they've got a warrant of arrest for somebody that lists your address as their address they have the ability to come in and search your home you can't stop them they don't need a search warrant they have a warrant of arrest that lists that address but many many times it was just kind of interesting uh, just uh, just human nature i'd be with an officer i'd be the backup so i'm going to search a warrant will you come with me you go knock on the door and say i have a warrant of arrest i got the name on the person lives here and uh, we have authority to come in and search the house and the person in the house says sure Come on in, help yourself, look to your heart's content. Ah. And they go sit down and get the TV remote control and sip on some iced tea. And the officer looks and he thinks, he looks at me and he says, well, I guess that guy's not here. Let's go. I'm like, what do you mean he's not here? Search the house. But it's human nature to say, oh, you're going to let me search? I'm not going to search. She could have very easily said that and said, oh, yeah, they're in the house. Come on and Search. Knock yourself out. Have a good time. I'm going to go sip tea. And probably they would have said, never mind, and walked away. And maybe they would have come in and searched the house and still never found. Regardless of what her statement is, the king seems to know that they're in the house. They came into the house. Uh, she's uh, kind of giving the king the impression they slipped out when your men were, uh, weren't were looking or playing video games. And that happens as well. <clears throat> uh, two detective friends of mine, uh, they were uh, supposed to be watching the bad guy's house. And they were playing video games before video games were cool. And, the, yeah, yeah, the bad guy slipped out. And they were no more detectives when the week was over. <laughs> that, that didn't end well for them. <clears throat> but just saying, uh, she did not have to lie. Young people, you do not have to lie. You do not. Uh, Verse 8. But she's got something on her mind uh, besides spies in the house, the king's upset. Listen to the narrative of what is going on. And this is important because what is going on in Jericho has been going on for 40 years. Listen. Verse 8. And before they were laid down, the the spies, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord, if you were here this morning, look at, look at that. L, capital O, capital R, capital D. She is recognizing God as Jehovah God. Again, the translators have done you a great favor. Whenever those four letters are capitalized, you know that's speaking of Jehovah God. And that's who she References. She had enough spiritual discernment, she had enough knowledge of Israel and God that she reverenced Him by by His name, Jehovah God. I know, not we know, the city, but I know, I know personally the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Now, wait a minute. That was 40 years ago. 40 years before when they they sent 12 spies into the land and the 10 spies brought back an evil report Because they said, we were as grasshoppers in their sight and we can't possibly take this land. The land was absolutely in terror because of what God had done on their behalf. Could they have taken this land 40 years uh, previously? Absolutely they could. And my question for you tonight is, what's holding you back from claiming the land, the promises that God has given to you? What's holding you back from inviting a friend out to church? Besides Bob, who testifies that all his friends are dead. What's keeping you? Fear. We don't need to be afraid. They're afraid. They've been afraid for 40 years. And what ye did to the two kings of the Amorites, which are on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. She knew about it. And as soon as soon as, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Because of you, for, again, the Lord Jehovah, your God, He is God. What is she saying? She's not saying we believe this. She, again, began this by saying, I believe this. I know. Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brother and and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. She is absolutely convinced that God, Jehovah God, has given the land to Israel and despite The security, and the walls, and the double walls, and the guards, and the ceiling up of the city, the city is going to fall. She's absolutely convinced of that. But I say she has a spiritual discernment because she is concerned about her family members. One sure sign that a person has embraced salvation is that they have a concern for their family members. Are they saved? Do they know Christ? Are they on their way to heaven? This city is going to fall. My family is going to be destroyed. And she wants them to be saved. Verse 14. Men answered her, our life for yours. If ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us this land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountains, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourself there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we're coming, when we come, did it say when they were going to come? It did not. When we come, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of a scarlet thread in the window. Now, you look at that text and that, that may, I've, I've highlighted it because it just jumps out at me. And I'm thinking, I live on the wall. They're going to come into the land. When they come into the land, I've got to put this token out in the window. But she didn't wait. She could have, because that's what they instructed her to do. They said, when we come, and how are you not going to see them coming? The children of Israel, the tribe, the the big thing. I mean, it's going to be a big to-do. We're talking hundreds of thousands of people that are going to... You're going to see the dust cloud a long ways away. That's what they told her to do, but that's not what she did. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. We will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be upon our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. And she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And what did she do? And she bound the scarlet line in the window. I just like that. I'm not taking any chances that they're going to sneak in the middle of the night and I'm not going to see it. I'm I'm flying the flag. Uh, I see somebody. I see Alan on Wednesday night. Alan comes in with his C Pan shirt on. I said, Hey, you're flying the flag. And Alan smiles. Yeah, flying the flag. Came in from work. Tommy this morning. Uh, he had on his Washington Gas uh, shirt with the Washington Gas logo. And I said, Hey, you're flying the flag, right? Uh, you shouldn't be ashamed to fly the flag. She not She's in hostile territory. But she was not afraid to put the scarlet line in the window, that scarlet stretch. She bound it right away. And they went and came into the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all the things that befell them. And notice verse 24. Brother Williams, I had two young people leave the service. I don't know where they are. Would you go find them for me? Notice verse 24. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Again, read that verse, verse 24. Truly the Lord hath delivered... Into our hands, all the land. God hath delivered. For even the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Father, speak to our hearts this evening. May we be challenged to just fly the colors, Not be afraid to be identified with Christ. Pass out a gospel trap to give a witness to a friend. To not be afraid to say, I identify with Christ. Help us to do it. Help us to be challenged. Help us not to be weary in well-doing, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Rahab was a harlot. There's just no good way to paint that. There's no, But you let me say, there is no good way to paint a sinner. And it's just ugly. Sin is ugly. What was she? She was lost without hope, without God. But you may not be a harlot, but... A person without Christ is just as desperately lost as Rahab was. She was just as desperately lost as Nicodemus was. And Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Rahab lived in a city, Jericho, that was slated for destruction. Several weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I gave you a where is America in Bible prophecy. Do you remember that message? You remember where America was in Bible prophecy? We we're with all the other nations. What are we? We live in a country that is slated for destruction. We, may not, we do not know when that day is. She did not know when the day of destruction was. But she wasn't taking any chances. She was identifying with Christ. How much more so we should identify with the Lord Jesus Christ? She lived in a nation slated for destruction. We live in a nation slated for destruction. She was not afraid to be identified with Christ. Does that not put us to shame many times? It does. It does. Judgment was pending. Jericho doomed to destruction. But your home, my home, in America is slated for destruction. It is doomed for destruction. It already is. John chapter 3 verse 19 says, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, lest his, that, he, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. A Christian who knows Christ should not be afraid to come to the light and be identified with God. Tomorrow morning, uh, Dustin and I and Rick, uh, we're going to meet at Krispy Kreme, 8.30. And Brother Rick is going to put us all to shame. Everybody that comes in, he greets them. God bless you. (laughs) Have a good day, man. And and he he just greets everybody. He He is a natural beacon of light. And I am challenged to be around him. I am absolutely challenged to be around him. You should not be afraid to identify with Christ. While we're there, we'll stop and pray. We'll bow our heads. We don't look around and say, no, wait, wait a minute, make sure nobody's watching. Let's do the thing. We just, we just don't do that. From time to time, I'll have a, a, a lunch with a group of area businessmen. We're talking bankers and lawyers, a mayor of one of our, our local cities, and I'll get together with them and uh, say, say, what do you do? I bow my head and pray. Everybody watching? I hope they are. How long do you pray? Long enough that I, I want to make sure that they know that I'm, uh, I, don't, I, I don't want them to think, was, was that a prayer or not? So my prayers during those times are typically longer uh, than my prayers at normal times. And normally I don't sit at the table and fold my hand, but I, I would then. Because I, 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 I want them to know that there's a Christian in the room. And it's kind of interesting to watch around the room as guys are chewing on their food and they're going, uh, I didn't pray. And they'll stop. And because there are a few guys that are, that are Christians, they know Christ, but they're afraid. They're afraid. And they'll bow their head, and, uh, and they'll pray, after I have prayed. You take a stand for Christ, others will stand with you, but even if you stand alone, you should stand. You should do that. Rahab was heard. She had heard, verse 10, 40 years ago in Egypt, and there's just a few more days to go. And she knew she was granted today. And she hung the cord today. And I don't know that we'll have tomorrow, but we should hang the cord today. We should identify with Christ today. She had already had 40 years of compassion. 40, it was 40 years ago when the Red Sea was parted, when the children of Israel departed Egypt. But even if it's one year or one day... We've had more grace than what we deserve. We are not guaranteed of tomorrow. God knocks at your door. You should answer. Don't presume on tomorrow. September 18th, nine juveniles escaped from the Abraxas Academy in New Morgan. 8 p.m. on a Sunday night, this juvenile detention facility. uh, There was an uprising. They over. They overran the guards and they and they ran from the place. Twelve hours later, they were all in custody. State police were on the scene. Local law enforcement were chasing them, but it wasn't state police or local law enforcement that caught them. After a night on the run and in the in the cold and hungry, about breakfast time, these teenagers went and knocked on somebody's door and said, "Hey." We're escaped from the juvenile detention facility and we're cold and hungry. Would you call the police so we can get something to eat? Look, they say, seriously? Seriously. That's the state of the world. They're afraid. They're cold. They're hungry. And we should not be afraid to bring them uh, to Christ. What did Rahab need? Rahab needed the same thing that your friends need. And she needed a new heart. She had heard the message She had heard that judgment was coming. We have heard the message. We have heard that judgment is coming. But there's something more that is needed. You must not just read, but you must heed. From this morning, Orpha heard, but she didn't heed. Ruth heard and heeded. There's a difference. And there is a need to hear and heed. To obey and to respond. To have, verse 11, that expression of, of faith, and here it is: As soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. What a what a confession of her testimony. Now that lost person, the Rahabs of this world, need to heed, hear, and heed. They need to hear the message and respond. They need to proceed in faith. It is not just enough to say, oh, "I believe God." I believe there is a God. I believe there is a historical figure named Jesus Christ. But to accept him as Savior. God changed Ruth. Did he not? God changed Rahab. He absolutely did. God changed the prodigal son. He did. Question is can God change you? And after those testimonies, I would say, seriously? Absolutely. You are not a hard case. God can absolutely change you. If you will allow him to. Rahab received hope. Again, immediately she got busy for God. Uh, verse 13, 12, and 13, and 14. What about my family? What about my mother? What about my brothers? What about my sisters? And uh, what, did, what did they say? Well, uh, let us go into their home and lead them to Christ. <laughs> No, girl, that's on you. Hey, Christian, that's on you. It is your job to take the message. Not the deacon's job or the pastor's job or the Sunday school teacher's job. Although we do it and we love to do it and we enjoy doing it. That's your responsibility. Take the gospel to your family. My phone will ring here at the office probably maybe not once a month, but regularly. And someone will call them. they're calling from... Hawaii or Georgia or Alaska or Alexandria. And they're saying, uh we we've been to your website and uh we talked to our pastor and he tells us that you're a good church and we know you're a soul winning church and did you go out and knock on doors. So that's correct. And uh, we know that you've got the right Bible and uh, that that you believe that salvation is by grace. We do. I have a relative in your neighborhood that is lost and needs the gospel. Will you take the gospel to them? And my response is, absolutely. What is their address? And I write their address down. He said, tell me a little about them. Tell me about their story. And they said, oh, one more thing before I let you go. What's that? Don't tell them I sent you. If they could see my face, that's what they'd see. And the next words out of my mouth, next word out of my mouth is this. Seriously? Seriously? You are afraid for me to mention your name? How in the world am I supposed to go randomly knock on their door in Arlington and say, oh, you know, I just happened to be in the neighborhood going by. That would be a lie. Because I've not randomly knocked on their door. I've gone there on purpose. If you're not willing to allow me to say that you sent me to their home because you care about them deeply and spiritually and about their salvation, and I'm not going to go knock on their door. I'll tell you what. You want me to randomly knock on their door? we will the next time we're in their neighborhood. I can tell you that we were just in that neighborhood, and it's going to be 18 years before we knock on their door again. The vast majority of the time, the person on the phone says, if you have to tell them I sent you, then please don't go. And that's not Rahab. Rahab was like, yeah, I'll go get them. I'll bring them in. I'll get them here. Hey, if they're not in the house... They step outside the house, and and we come inside. We can't be held responsible for what happens to them. I'll have them inside. And she went with an urgency and an expectancy that God was going to do something. Should we not also do the same? We absolutely should do the same. That urgency and expectancy that God is going to do something. Sadly, many times, the folks that ask me to do this have no testimony for Christ. A troublesome truth is that the truth of our profession is proven or disproven by the work of our life. James chapter 2, verse 18 speaks of that. My dad would summarize it like this. You hear me? Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And you can say that you're a Christian, but talk is cheap. How do you live your life? Do people know that you're a Christian? Do they know that you live differently? Do they know that your steps are ordered by the Lord? Are you a cheap talker? A lot of the reason why we can't witness to people is because we don't live the Christian life. I'll just remind you that the text says that we are saved unto good works. That we are to be conformed to the image of His Son. Rahab is so... She's concerned about her lost family around her. And to me, that just makes sense. Then several years ago, I sat down with a man, and I opened God's Word, uh, and... And I shared with him the gospel, and he said to me, and I, and I asked him at the end of the conversation, I was there probably an hour and a half talking to him about salvation, spiritual things, God, Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. And when I got done, an hour and a half later, he said, I said, wouldn't you like to trust Christ? And he's, he looked at me and he said, you know, uh, this, is, this is all good, but this is the first time I've ever heard this. First time. Wow, how can you live in an American and be, uh, be, I don't know, 40 years of age, maybe 35, and never hear the gospel message before? But that was his testimony. You need time to think about it. And, uh, and so, uh, I don't know, some months later, he trusted Christ as his Savior. And he said, uh, Pastor, uh, would you come to my home and witness to my wife? Because I want her to know what I know. Isn't that what Rahab did? And so I went to his home. And on a Tuesday night and sat down in the chairs where I just witnessed to him, I don't know, four or five months earlier, and said to his wife, uh, your husband has trusted Christ as a Savior. And I looked at him he said, yep, that's right. Uh, he is on his way to heaven. And he said, yep, that's right. And uh, your husband wants you to be saved. And that's what she said. Oh, I'm saved. I trusted Christ when I was 18 years of age. I've never seen a look change so quickly. His face went from peace and happiness and love for his wife in desiring her to be saved. His neck snapped as he went, You knew that I was lost and on my way to hell and you did nothing to stop me? As he yelled at her. That's what the unsaved people think about Your testimony after you refuse to identify with Christ. I understood his anger. Completely understandable. For if we knew, and we do, that our nation is slated for destruction and for a certainty we knew that this was all going to be destroyed and that there was a real place called hell, we'd be trying to warn our friends and family away from that place. And when we are silent and the world finds out the truth, they wonder, what's the matter with us? Bring others to Christ. Have a desire to see people come to Christ. Tell people about the Savior Tell them that there is hope in salvation. Tell them that they can be spared from destruction. Tell them about Rahab, the harlot, who was marvelously born again and was not afraid to hang the scarlet thread out of her window. Not afraid to be identified with Christ from day one. Delivered from the penalty of sin. Like Ruth, she had a new family. Like Ruth, she married after Jericho, like Ruth, she had a baby. Her lineage is documented in Matthew, Matthew chapter one, verse five, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rachel, Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse of which we have the lineage of Christ. What great mercy to God who has saved a lost, vile sinner and include her in the lineage of salvation. You can be included. People lose hope for a number of reasons. Top ten people lose hope. Politics, endless wars, pandemic weary, inflation, stagnant income. Social security going broke, government spending, monthly subscriptions, rent hikes, an education system that is woke and broke. That's what the list said in the paper this week. But we have the hope of the gospel that they can be transformed. It is not can do it, can God do it. It's that we know that God did it and God does it. And God will do it for you. Rahab, no longer under the curse of sin. She is a child of the king. I was reading one preacher this week, and this is how he wrote it. From the hall of shame to the hall of fame. And God wants to do that for you if you'll only trust him. Unsaved friend, let me say to you, God has a great plan for your life if you will trust him. Christian, you, let, you hear me say, God has a great plan for your life. If you will trust him. Father, I thank you for your word and I pray that you would help us to have the attitude of Rahab and just believe you and your power and your might and not be afraid of the world around her because we believe that there is a God, Jehovah God, that holds the keys to eternal life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this evening. You say, I do not know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I am not on my way to heaven. I am in fear of everything. Life, death. Preacher, would you pray for me? Lift your hand up. Hold it up for just a moment. Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not saved. I need to be saved. Let's stand to our feet with our head bowed and eyes closed. Christian, the the message is for you.